The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest led the Atlanta Hawks to the Eastern Conference Championship in 2021. 23-year-old Kevin Herter. Today's guest is the versatile, sharpshooting combo guard small forward who helped lead the Atlanta Hawks surprisingly deep playoff run last spring. His clutch 27-point Game 7 performance eliminated Philadelphia and advanced the Hawks into the Eastern Conference Finals against the eventual NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. It's always a special pleasure to chat with a fellow alumnus of the University of Maryland, Red Velvet himself, Kevin Herter. Kevin, welcome to Game Time. Yeah, Boomer, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to be here. All right, so I want to start with something first. You're a New York kid. You're from Albany. You probably weren't a Knicks fan. I grew up a Knicks fan, still am a Knicks fan. Tom Thibodeau brings the Knicks finally back to the playoffs after seven years, and the Hawks come out of nowhere, and you guys just take care of us. I mean, that had to be a, an amazing moment for you, I'm sure, but a very debilitating moment for us Knicks fans. Yeah, it was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was a fun series. I think it was a series going into it that not many people gave us a chance and a lot of the New York media were, were calling the Knicks in five or six and um, thought that that we wouldn't be able to get one in MSG and um, honestly you know we, we just had a lot of confidence in ourselves you know they had they had beaten us up pretty good last year during the regular season and you know, defensively we knew they were a really good team and um, Julius Randle being the head of the snake but uh, that was a that was definitely serious we went into confident offensively we we thought that we just had too much for him to be able to guard, and that seems to be how it turned out. Yeah, you know, I am part of the New York media, and as a Knicks fan, of course, I said probably the same thing. We'll take you out in five or six. It'll be pretty easy. But interestingly enough, you know, it got heated, and the fans really got into this, and they were chanting some very nasty stuff towards your teammate, Trey Young. What was the thought process in the locker room after hearing some of those things? 
Yeah, that was that was on. It was surprising. It was uh, there really wasn't much hate that existed between our two teams. Again, you know, over the course of the regular season of that year, and and even earlier in my career, and it seemed to be a lot of the hate was generated by New York media, and it was you know specifically going at Trey, and um, and a lot of it was was like you said, not giving us much of a chance, and um, you know that game one we went in and, and MSG was rocking. That was that was. I think a moment and a feeling I'll never forget is running out of that court and, and getting booed and, and, and New York was so ready for that series and about four possession in, into the game, you know, they already, they have the FU Trey Young chance already going. And in a lot of ways it came out of nowhere. Again, there, there really wasn't much hate that existed. And you know, for us, that was, uh, it was go time. You know, we knew the rest of the series was going to be like that. Um, Trey took care of business, obviously, and led us the whole way. And that was a lot of fun. You know, when you take Milwaukee to six games, do you, do you realize that you're playing against the eventual NBA champion at that moment? It did. You know, honestly, it felt like it. You know, Milwaukee was, in a lot of ways, felt like a step up from both New York and Philly. And, um, you know, we felt like if we could find a way to get through Milwaukee, that, you know, coming out of the West, Phoenix, you know, this year you've seen they're an unbelievable team, and last year's a great team. We just felt like Milwaukee was was the best team other than ourselves left. And, um you know, game four, I think we had Trey go down and they had Giannis go down and, and the whole and the whole series felt like it shifted. And, you know, game five going into their place, it was – it felt like whoever could win that game was going to take the series and um, give them a lot of credit. They're, they're a complete team. They had a lot of guys who could hurt you. Uh, Brooke Lopez, you know, gave us 30. He gave us you know, more than we could handle in that game. And Giannis returns at the end of that series. It was – they're a good team, deserved it, um, team that I respect a lot. And, someone I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to run into and have to be coming up here you know, this year, the next couple of years. How about your first foray into the NBA playoffs, the intensity and what it was like and uh, that experience and what you learned from it? For me, it was, it was getting back to you know, pure and, and, and the right brand of basketball. You, you prepared for every team. You knew it, their tendencies. You knew every player. Um, There's so much that went into every game that you know, every game was an individual Super Bowl. Where you know sometimes during the regular season, the NBA you play so many games that you know, your scouts aren't as long, and you know, the, the games kind of just they all they all come together, and it just feels like you, you play so many games, you don't always look at each individual game as, as much as you do a playoff game. Um, just the energy that's in the building, obviously the coverage, how much people care about it, the fans that come out and, and watch it, and I remember growing up watching NBA playoffs and um, and wanting to play in it, and you know from our first experience. Um, you know, playing in New York, playing in the Garden, come back. Our, our Atlanta fans are great. Philly is known for having a, a great and, and strong fan base. And um, it was a great first taste. And we had a good run, but you know, we know it was just a run. And um, we got to continue to do it. We're just getting warmed up. Stay with us as game time continues right after this. Welcome back to Game Time. Kevin Herter grew up in the Albany, New York suburb of Clifton Park, and back then he could probably never have imagined that one of his high school teammates would also become a professional athlete in the city of Atlanta. His name, Ian Anderson of the Braves, who pitched five no-hit innings in Game 3 of the World Series. Now, I'm assuming that you guys are tight, and I'm thinking that you're probably at this game, and I'm wondering if you thought the same thing that I thought. Why in the world is Brian Snitker, the manager, taking him out of the game? He was. We were at that game. It was 
That was frustrating. It was only, you had to trust him, uh, you know, trust the manager making that decision. I feel like that it just shows how much baseball has changed. I've been I've been such a big baseball fan my whole life. You know, like I said, I played with Ian all the way up through high school and, and always followed. I've been a big Yankees fan, but I feel like you got a no hitter in a playoff game. You got a no hitter in any game. Usually, usually you keep them in. And you know, today's baseball has obviously changed so much and matchup wise and, and pitch count and all that. But um, he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do, I guess. And you have to trust that you know, it was the right decision and it turned out to be. Yeah, but that's pretty cool, though. You have a high school teammate in a World Series. You're coming out of the playoffs. I'm thinking your hometown has just got to be over the moon with you two guys. Everybody's following. We had family members and, and old teammates and old friends that were flying down over the course of his postseason run and, and last year during our postseason run, just people wanting to be a part of it. Um, like you said, never could imagine that we'd end up in the same city. Obviously, the two professional athletes uh, from our town, I believe we're the first two and in over 20, 30 years. For both of us to come from same town, same area, you know, it's amazing. It's been great to have him, you know, along with the ride, just someone you can relate to that's so new to the sports world that it's great to have a friend in it with you. And why did you why did you choose basketball over baseball? Because I'm assuming you must have been a pr- pretty good baseball player yourself. Yeah, it was good. It was it was one of those things I was I was definitely good when I was younger, just being a good athlete. And uh, you know, I, I got to high school around ninth grade and you know, AU season was started to overlap with the high school baseball season, and and it started to. The, there was definitely more decisions that needed to be made. It was was I staying back and, and playing in my my baseball tournament this Saturday? Am I, am I driving down to Boo Williams on Thursday night to miss the whole weekend and playing a basketball tournament? And uh, I was definitely better in basketball. I think I knew it at the time. Um, I I seemed to never get sick of basketball. Basketball season in, in the winter would end and in February, March, and I was ready to get to AU and AU would end and I was ready to get to fall ball. And you know, for me, baseball, for us, when it ended in late June or early August, it was, I was, I was ready to get back to basketball season. And for me, that kind of told me everything I needed to know. All right, we're going to return with Kevin Herter right after these messages. Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport. Built Ford tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. that that counts in the NBA playoffs is winning four games in the finals. But here's one that might surprise some of you fans out there. Who is the youngest player ever to score 25 or more points in a Game 7 playoff road victory? I'll even give you a hint. His first name begins with the letter K, and it's not Kyrie, it's not Kobe, it's Kevin, and it's Kevin Herter. And Kevin, tell me about this Game 7, what it was like for you. You you found the zone and it was an amazing, amazing performance, and you ultimately come away the victor. Yeah, like I said early in the show, it was you know we were so banged up at that point that we had you know we had a couple guys out. DeAndre Hunter was out from that series; he was with us in the Knicks series, and, and Cam Reddish was out, and uh, Bogey wasn't even supposed to play Game Seven, and, and he got it out and, and decided to start and give it a go. And um, you know, I had Danilo Gallinari come up to me before the game, and and he pointed at Bogey, and he's like. He's like, he can't play. He can't shoot. And he's like, we need you to shoot tonight. Like, if, if you make shots, we might have a chance to win. And if you don't, then then at least we try. But he was like, you need to be aggressive and look for your shot. 
So it was kind of like going into the game, I knew my aggressiveness at least needed to increase. So me looking for my shot, hunting my shot. Um, and I, you know, obviously my first couple went down and that gets you into a rhythm and, and felt good about my matchups the rest of the game and, and continue to just try to stay in the game, stay in the flow of the game, get to my shots. And uh, it was one of those games, you know, luckily they fell. You, you can go through games where you get to your spots and the shots don't fall. And, and that was a game where shots fell for me. Um, game, you know, it was a great game seven, though. I mean, I mean, Kevin, game seven. I mean, think about that. That's that is like every athlete's dream, and I would imagine every basketball player's dream. It's a game seven. It's a clinching game, and you come out and you have the game of your life. It's amazing. I mean, looking back on it, obviously, I, I think going into it, I was trying to stay in the moment. It was it was just another game, a game we needed to win, and we had. I mean, we had no pressure on it. So you go into that game, we're in their building, a team that was the one seed in, in our conference, and. Um, supposed to be competing for a championship and you know for us we're the, the upcoming team that wasn't and we weren't supposed to win that game and, and a lot of times it's it's a lot easier to play like that there's there's a little less pressure on the shots you take and a little less pressure on you to win and and our team was we we're playing at such a high level playing with so much confidence that you know, I really just felt like it was my turn to contribute and, and you know carry us for a little bit the last you guys had a turning point you fired your coach and Nate McMillan came in late in the year what was the big turnaround with the new coach and what did he bring to your team yeah, I mean, you know, in some ways it was it was a different voice. You know, it's funny, right when right when Coach Mack took over, I think we rattled off eight straight. And it's not like, you know, he came in and, and changed our whole offense and changed our whole defense and we had all these four hour long practices where everything changed. There was there was just there was a different energy uh, that was in our room, in the locker room. Um, obviously he made subtle changes. He started to to run more plays off the ball offensively. You know, he I think he worked to get different guys shots within our offense. Um, that seemed to help a lot of guys, including myself. And defensively, he was just—he was just—he told us from day one. He's like, "If you're not going to be a two-way player, you're not going to play for me." Um, and that was a big thing. I think guys, effort-wise, started to step up and be better on the defensive end. And we started to get a little bit of confidence. You went eight straight. All of a sudden, you're beating good teams and beating good teams on the road, and, and you start to get a little confidence, and and that carries you the rest of the season. All right, Kevin, hang on. When we come back, we're going to talk to you about your welcome to the NBA moment. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue with Kevin Herter of the Hawks, who once said that with turnover in the NBA, you're always thinking about guys coming behind you and taking your spot. So... Think about this for Kevin. Do you still feel that way right now, as, as uh, accomplished as you are with a new contract? I mean, yeah, you, I think it's – in some ways it's, it's healthy to always keep that mindset. You know, it keeps you working, keeps you going to the gym every day, knowing that there's always people that would kill to be in your shoes and, and would love the opportunity that you're getting. And um, A new contract's great. All it does is, I guess, it guarantees that you know, the next four years I'll be somewhere, whether that's you know, with the Hawks or – uh, under what situation, but you know, for me, it's I'm going to continue to work like there's always someone trying to come in behind me. I want to take you back to your rookie year for a second. Uh, Kevin Durant was with Golden State. You guys were playing them, and there's always a welcome to the NBA moment. Every rookie has one, and I understand that that welcome to the NBA moment happened to you with Kevin Durant. What was that all about? Yeah, I mean, there's few guys in the NBA that, you know, you go into a game and when they're on the court or they're during warm-ups that just there's a different feeling in the gym. And, and Kevin Durant in the NBA is one of those guys that it's, there's a different feeling when he's on the court and you're playing against him. And 
Uh, my rookie year, we were playing, we were on the road at Golden State, and you know, I get I get switched off onto him, and um, and all of a sudden it was like, all right, like I'm, I'm guarding Kevin Durant, like here we go, and uh, I tried to pressure him right away, and you know, he loses the ball, it goes out to half court, and, and my confidence just skyrockets, and I think the shot clock is going down, and so I go and I pick him up again up at half court, and I'm trying to pressure him, and and he takes like two of the easiest dribbles to the free throw line, gives me a quick shoulder bump to the chest, and leans and and bangs a shot with about one on the shot clock. And as he's backpedaling, he just yells, welcome to the league, Rook. And, uh, and that for me, it was that was another validation that, you know, these guys are just different. You can play as good a defense as you want. And, and a lot of times the offense is just going to win. And uh, that was funny for me. I remember we had Torian Prince running back by me and, and like was out loud laughing on the court because he, he heard him yelling. And uh, for me, that was, that was something I'll never forget. That was definitely my welcome to the NBA moment. Uh, it's great. All right. Even before you went to Maryland and the NBA, of course, you heard Kobe Bryant speak at an elite skills camp. What was his message that you took away? Yeah, I mean, so speaking of other people that you walk into a gym and it's just a different feeling, Kobe is another one of those guys. And uh, and I was in high school this time at the time, and he was the first person that said in my whole life that I ever heard say it, that was you have to put all your eggs in one basket. And he's like, you know, you, you had all the elite players in the country, in the gym, both at the high school, at the college level. And it was this big camp. And, and he just said, like, if you guys are serious about this and make it to the NBA and uh, it, and trying to achieve your dreams, you, you need to fully commit to it. You, you can't be half in, half out. you got to put all your eggs in one basket where you're, you got to be prepared to fail, where there's no second option. And in your whole life, you're growing up and all your teachers and all your parents are telling you to try different things and you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket that, that was kind of eye-opening for me uh, that just showed his dedication over the course of his career and that if this was something I was truly serious about, you know, going from a high school guy and how it could translate and, and build to the next level was something that um, I couldn't have a second option. I couldn't have anything to fall back on. You know, speaking of putting eggs in a basket, Steph Curry is on a, a torrid pace this year. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and I'm sure you've seen some of him, and I'm I'm not sure if you guys played them yet or not, but – uh, when you watch him shoot, do you think about like what your own range is and, and how far is that range? Where can you shoot from comfortably and feel confident that you can make it? I mean, definitely a couple steps past the line, but it's nothing like Steph. It feels like every shot that that guy throws up, it's going in. Uh, and we have played him. You know, we were the team. Steph gave us 50 earlier this year when we played at Golden State, and, and I guarded him for a lot of those possessions. And it's just tough, man, especially the way that their offense works and you know, his off-ball movement and, and the shape that he's in. And, you know, he just wears you out over the course of the game. Just the guy doesn't get tired and uh, mentally wears you out. You know, he, he's making shots from all over the court and teammates are finding him. And, and uh, it's tough to play against. You give him all the credit in the world. He's, he's I think, undoubtedly the best shooter of all time and a shooter that we've never seen before. And um, he's truly changed the game. And it, it sucks playing against him. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> We'll be back, and we're going to put Kevin through the redheaded challenge right after this. Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe. Welcome back to Game Time as we continue with Hawks' Kevin Herter. Tell me about 518 Hoop Fest and what does it mean to you? 
Yeah, it was it was great. It was a one day event. I was able to host back up in my hometown. Um, you know, unfortunately with COVID and in last year's playoff run, uh, you know, the last two summers I haven't been able to give back as much as I would have liked to. Haven't been able to to do any camps or or host really any events. And um, last year I knew I was going to have a short period of time where I could get back home and do something like this. So I wanted to be able to to put on a one day event that could check a lot of boxes. I could. I could get back. I could run a camp. I could see a lot of people that have supported me uh, throughout my career and growing up. And um, and it was a great day. You know, we found these outdoor courts in my hometown, put on a great event, had a lot of great sponsors, got a lot of see, a lot of really good people. And uh, the rest of the day, sent it up to the track up in Saratoga. And I think the next day I flew out. So it was it was a good short time. I was able to be at home. And uh, it's something that I'm obviously looking forward to doing in the years to come. All right. Are you ready to take the Redhead Challenge? I think so. I think so. I'm excited right. to see what this is. All right. So, which quarterback is known as the Red Rifle? Andy Dalton. Yes, that's right. Uh, which yeah. redheaded German tennis star won three Wimbledons? Not a tennis guy, so I don't know this one. Boris Becker. Okay. All right. Which redheaded quarterback played at North Dakota State? I'm not sure I know this one either. He's playing for the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz. I should, he is red, I guess. Wow. He's not someone yes, that came well, off. Yeah, he is. All right, so which former NBA player, you better know this one, is known as White Mamba? This is Brian Scalabry. This is the goat right here. That was exactly it. If right. I got this wrong, you'd kick me off the show. <laughs> uh, which snowboarding legend is known as the Flying Tomato? I know he's white. The last name is Sean white. white. Sean White. Sean White. Sean white. Very good. All there right. Which redheaded slugger hit 70 home runs back in 1998? Mark McGuire. That's right. Which Hall of Fame NBA center is known as the Big Redhead? I don't think I know this one either. He talks a lot. He's a, you know he's an analyst. He's always you know lecturing us. Bill Walton. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the last one. Name at least one redheaded Hall of Fame basketball coach. One redheaded Hall of Fame basketball coach. I'm just gonna go because Red's in his name. Let's go Red Allback. Very good. Red Allback or Red Holzman, either one. That's uh, that would have been it. You know. Kevin, it's so great to talk to you, and uh, I appreciate you, and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Awesome. Yeah, truly, thank you for having me on. All right, thanks to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Esiason. and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with Toronto Maple Leafs superstar Austin Matthews. I didn't go to the draft, and that was a big read. I was like, man, I don't want to be the last guy sitting there. Like, I don't know how it's going to go. So I don't know, like, 19 was good. There was people that got picked behind me, but I'm like, you know, if I'm one of those guys that's like drop second round, I got to be the only dude sitting here with my family. That's going to be weird. Um, True. So I didn't go to the draft either. I didn't trust anybody. I never trusted yes. anybody. <laughs> we both seem to turn out okay. Yes. Yeah, we turned out all right.